2: man power trip of wrestling I'm your host jp john pause and this is another edition of who is this week joined of course by two of my colleagues here my brother's keeper mr hmg mr tpt mr rbv rick what's going on how are you doing today sir
1: Pause, sir. Uh, great to be back with you. so good. Hey, I, I got moved up today because guess who was late? is down in on the bottom row here today, but uh, never had be back bro. up with both of you. Hey, before we get going here, I do want to give a shout out there. people are like, Hey, what, what the hell? My brother's keeper. Hey, a huge shout out to uh, to some of my boys at the professional wrestling alliance, our lead faction. There, you got uh, the ultimate wingman, Russell Bland. He is the leader there. They he has put together a crew uh, that is for the culture, and, and they are there. They are, they are making waves. They are representing. Uh, he leads the crew there. Of course, this guy is state-to-state collecting titles. Wow, and audiences. He is the leader of the Savion section. Savion, and then backed up behind him, we got Big Juggernaut Jacks and King Bomani, one hell of a group there. You can catch him, the Professional Wrestling Alliance, My Brother's Keeper.
2: And, of course, the third man in the chat here in the group he is Mr. J himself, Michael P.S. Jargo. Jargo, what's going on? How are you doing?
0: Fashionably late, you know, it happens on occasion. But I, I, I kind of got sidetracked with some other things. I'm ready to sit down and talk some wrestling with two of my favorite huckleberries. Looking forward to
2: it, man. Today, the topic is who is the best black wrestler of all time. We've talked about Jewish wrestlers. We talked about who's the goat, the Mount Rushmore, uh, the best Raw Rumbles, the uh, SummerSlam. Who is Mister WrestleMania today? Referring to who is the best black wrestler? I have a ton of guys on my list. I don't even know where to start. They've got so many, but let's just start with. Um...
0: Well, well, here, let, let me throw one out. Pause oh, okay. to start right. yeah. things yeah. off. Yeah, yeah.
2: Why doesn't Jargo throw one out? Yeah, because one
0: out. I, I, I want to know if he qualifies. Because there seems to be some debate as to whether or not Dwayne the Rock Johnson qualifies. As an African-American wrestler. Of course, his father is black. His mother is Samoan. So sometimes he embraces the African-American side of his culture. Most of the time, he's more towards the Samoan side of the culture. John Paz, does Dwayne The Rock Johnson qualify for today's list? And then I will form my opinion off of your answer. Because if The Rock qualifies, I mean, it's really hard to beat The Rock at pretty much anything.
2: I'd say yes. He's got to count has to has to count rick is saying no but i'm saying yes oh no no no, no, no. <laughs> I, I was just kind of i wasn't saying no at all you were not you were nodding doing something i mean you. Sure.
1: you got three white guys
0: here trying to decide if this guy is black or not so of course I mean, he is of course know. he is
2: come on guys of course he is uh he he definitely would be a good starting point he's very very high up in my list dwayne the rock johnson maybe the biggest movie star in the world right now what do you think about the rock
1: well, I was, you know, pause when you threw out the topic here and, you know, we, all, we always ask you for those parameters, you know, what should we consider when we're, you know, ranking and who's going to take that number one spot? Hey, it's it's funny enough, you know, I was watching, uh, binge watching the Monday Night War series and, you know, regularly through there, you get so many catches of how great The Rock was. And and then you look at, you know, how you laid it out, Paz, is. And it's really not just maybe in the ring, just not in that wrestling bubble, but an overall impact, you know, how it helped shape the business, you know, and how it, it brought attention in here. And I'm sitting there watching that thing, and it becomes harder and harder, you know, when we talk about goats and an overall impact, it's hard to tell, not just put rock at the top of this list, but put him at the very top of professional wrestlers. And you look at what he has done, you know, you know, to come in. Uh, coming from the world of college football, coming in the impacts, you know, the multi-generation, the impact that he had inside of professional wrestling, just bringing an audience as one of the greatest superstars that we've ever seen. But then to to roll that over into Hollywood, all of his other business ventures, you know, when it comes to professional wrestling as a whole, to the general masses, and today, Rock's got to be the most recognizable name, maybe of all time. Even topping your boy over there, Old Hogan.
0: I would be inclined to agree with that when you look at global appeal and how quote unquote over the talent is. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in the world of pro wrestling that's more over than The Rock other than maybe Andre the Giant um because everybody knows who andre is it's like from the time that you're three years old until you're you're long dead and gone everybody knows who andre the giant is it's crazy one of those things that's pre-programmed in your brain right next to the lyrics to stairway
1: to heaven uh, uh, i would agree with that but you know looking at today's contest you know with this this newer generation mm-hmm. with the rock and i guess you know in is jargon said but that global reach rock is still to this day even though he's not there you know makes occasional appearances He's still so relevant. He is still all over the sheets. Every time he makes a move, we're getting those inside of our business. But he is probably the most recognized global ambassador to professional wrestling. But I think the thing that does
0: hold Dwayne back a little bit is his main run was only like seven years. Um, there's there some of these guys that we're going to talk about that were around for decades and ran up all kinds of accolades and whatnot. His dad, <laughs> yeah, his exactly.
2: Dad. Uh,
0: but when you really look at it, his main run was only like seven years. We didn't even get a decade of The Rock, and I, I don't, but I don't think anybody has been more influential on the pro wrestling business in history other than Dwayne Johnson because once The Rock left Vince McMahon that was it like that that was when vince stopped making stars and started pushing the brand rather than the talent it it was when the rock left because he never wanted to be left in that situation again and it completely changed the face of
2: professional wrestling i have always heard though the internally and from vince and stuff like when they had hogan it was okay who could be the next hogan macho Warrior, who's going to be the next Hogan? Is it Brett? Is Brett the next Hogan? Michaels, is Austin the next Hogan? Then all of a sudden, The Rock comes, and it's like, okay, maybe Rock is kind of like the next Hogan. Then all of a sudden, that stops, and you hear all this stuff internally that now, or for years, they've even said it. Cena, Lesnar, Reigns especially, they say, who is our next rock? Who is, like, the next guy? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Reigns is an easier thing, but Cena definitely was, like, their next rock. So he's the guy, like, not even the next Hogan. Now it's, like, who's our next rock? So that just shows you how big he is to them, like, them thinking of his name. Like, oh, who is the next rock?
1: You know, but even in the case of a Cena and now Reigns, they, they keep that – they closely watch that and where they allow them to grow so that they do not exceed, the you know, the likes of – a Hogan, an Austin and a rock that they go, you know, where they can rival the brand itself. You know, they make sure that that the audience and those talents realize, Hey, hey, you can get to a certain level here, but the, it is the brand supremacy above all, unless your name is McMahon. I think what's even more incredible about, you know, the rock inside of the professional wrestling bubble. you know, just focusing on that. As you said, pause, it was always about, You know, and there's, okay. who could be the next Hogan? Who's going to be next in line for that? Well, then you had that uh, significant gap where they didn't really have, you know, you know, Sean and Brett kind of take the reins there. They had a lot of trouble finding someone to become that star. Boom, you have Austin. The rock rose to prominence on the, you know, on the chase. Would you have arguably, you know, at the time, the biggest star ever in the company. When you go back to Hogan, no one could ever get close to him on that. They had so many failed opportunities. I think it's just amazing that you had somebody on that level, a Hogan, an Austin, and the Rock was able to, you know, to rise above that.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And it's, it's funny because when you actually look at the Rock's booking back in the day of, of those seven years, he's really only booked as a main eventer for about three I mean, it it really seemed like they had The Rock and Triple H were very much on that same level, that same kind of plateau, and the fans just decided they were going with Dwayne, and then finally the company did too. But it's not like The Rock had Roman Reigns' booking out of the gate.
2: For sure. What about Rocky Johnson? What about his dad? A bit of a trailblazer easily himself as far as being a black wrestler in the business and you could say hey where the hell did rock get that you know th- that athletic ability or that charisma from D- literally look at his, it's almost like looking in a mirror sometimes with him and his dad it's like just the body type the way he moves you know what i mean the, the athleticism it's very similar to his dad rocky johnson Well, you know it's you know like like father like son Yeah, the yep. apple doesn't
1: fall far from the tree
2: For sure. you get to think
1: you know in in growing up that close to the business and get into, you know, experience. And, and I'm sure, you know, is, I don't if you guys ever watched the young rock, I've caught a couple episodes. I'm just, mm-hmm. but it, you know, just, you got to imagine, you know, it's just him looking up to his father who was a truly one of those larger than life personas. Uh, he kind of, even his dad saw the value more in being more of a Hollywood star, a sports entertainer of his time as opposed to some of, you know, the, the, the nitty gritty, raw pro wrestlers. I wish that we
0: get, would have gotten more Rocky Johnson as a singles competitor. Um, I, when I think of Rocky Johnson, I think of a tag team specialist. I think of Tony Atlas with Rocky Johnson. I, I feel like those two guys are incredibly synonymous with one another And while both of them are great, both of them very high on the list, the combination, like the pairing of Soul Patrol, I think I would put even higher than Rocky or... Tony Atlas. I I absolutely love going back and watching their work. I think they're one of the best tag teams of that generation that nobody really talks about. But before you got into rock and roll and midnight, kind of reinventing what tag team wrestling was from an in-ring perspective, it was hard to beat Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. I mean, those two guys, when you look at their athleticism, it was a completely different style that got changed around. But in the context, they might have been the best tag team in the world.
1: I mean, you look, I mean, you talk about five-star, five-tool players. They had it all. You know, under that athletic umbrella, I mean, you had the speed. You had the power. You had the technical prowess. I'll say that they had the persona. I mean, they just oozed charisma unfortunately for them and it's out there if you got to do some searching for uh, you talked about in the singles run for for rocky senior you can find out there but it's more in his territory as unfortunately for them you know on that big stage you had where just not your African Americans, but more of your minorities they were relegated into into that mid card status so for an opportunity for them to kind of rise up and get those marquee spotlight matches it was under the tag banner and yeah. they seize those opportunities and then you in turn you use those into the territories, you know, where where you, you know it might be more ethnically feasible inside of your marketing. And, and I know, you know, they they catch WWE catches, you know, it's been so many years and decades since they put over African Americans, and you want to go to the race card. And I'm not necessarily dismissing them for a lot of that. There's a lot of mistakes that have been made over the years, but you know, you do have to realize too, inside of of the marketing of just you know business, but pro wrestling here. You play to the audience and, and unfortunately you look around those arenas and it was, you know, Caucasian. It was white faces.
0: But those two guys getting over as a tag team in the NWA during that time period, just kind of a testament to how freaking good they
1: really. Were. Well, and, you know, we talk about the audiences. you go to NWA, the Southern, mm-hmm. you know, style. What was that audience, you know, and how right. and, and still even then, how are African-Americans perceived?
2: Yep. What about we talked about him in greatest football player of all time? What about the big cat, Ernie Ladd? He's got to be way up on that list. Big cat's absolutely way up on that list.
0: Uh, and, and pause. I think we did a great job of, of talking about big cat on that football player episode. Um, but I mean, when you look at Ernie Ladd, twenty-eight titles wow. during dur- during that time, twenty-eight titles, twenty-one of them inside of NWA territories. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Big Cat Ernie Lad, one of the goats. I mean, I, I think the more Ernie Ladd I see, the higher he always goes on my like greatest of all time list. That guy was so freaking good. I, I wish we would have gotten to see more of him on a national stage once we had national television, because I think he would have been just a huge star.
1: You know, when it comes to the Big Cat, you know, w- let's, let's talk, I think the key word is legitimacy. Yeah. Right. is what he brought to professional wrestling. Now we we can go down the list of you know turned you know ex-football players turned wrestlers, but no one did it at that level. Most of it was because their playing days were done. The gridiron was was behind them. So where do they turn? you know they need a payday they get in the world of professional wrestling. You're talking about someone that did it at the absolute best on both levels.
0: Yeah, the legitimacy thing. I like there's a very much a Brock Lesnar kind of feel when you go and you watch Ernie Ladd matches from the 60s and
1: 70s. Like that's the way the people react to him. You know, you had you look at the the toughest men in professional sports back then boxing, professional football, pro wrestling. Yeah. And he's right there. And he excels at two of those. Not just excels, hall of fame worthy
0: even though he never got a run as WWF champion, which is a damn shame. Hmm. Did have some
2: Bruno matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he would get the matches, and then he'd get right. beat by Bruno. What about but, another great football player? What about Ron Simmons, former WWF world champion, many times a BF tag team champion?
1: I think when it comes to Simmons, and this is someone that we got to see the bulk of his work when I mean, we've seen oh, him yeah. on so many different levels as, as we came up, you know, in our generation, man, and I gotta, he, he's a, he's a, he's in the amongst the top here in this conversation, but I think he would also be there for maybe, I don't say how maybe creative wise, one of the biggest letdowns that they, maybe misuse true misuse to me, I think on so many different levels and different positions that that Ron Simmons could have absolutely excelled and gone to a much greater heights. Uh, I know making history there, you know, being the, the first African-American to grab a major, major uh, heavyweight world championship, you know, unforgettable, but I even inside of that accomplishment, I, I still feel when we look at like the greatest moments in pro wrestling, it gets downplayed. I feel
0: like both of the acolytes, whether it be JBL or Ron Simmons, their title runs, felt like also ran, you know what I mean? Like they didn't get that feature title run the way that we wanted to see it, especially for Ron Simmons and especially inside of a WWF context. Right. Because I, I agree with you completely, Rick. I I feel like there was so much more that Ron Simmons could have done inside of the business. If the promoters would have just booked him to do so. But I I do feel like one of the things that I talk about with Jericho all the time is your ability to, to, to kind of reinvent yourself, right? Ron Simmons was kind of the master of that well before Chris Jericho. And Ron Simmons, the presentation was always just badass. Well, maybe with the exception of that stupid helmet. Um, mm.
1: hey, he still was even intimidating with that eggshell on his head. <laughs> Absolutely, he's a scary dude, but I mean, he
0: made everything work, everything that they gave him, he found a way to make it work. And it was just he was Ron Simmons. And then I love Farouk. Uh, there's a lot of people that that kind of look negatively at this point at the nation of domination, especially in that political climate and the way that the nation was presented. I was all in. I thought those guys were absolute badasses that could have been booked to be even more badasses. But again, it's kind of the the Ron Simmons career where it's like, man, if you would have just booked that dude, he could have been a main event player for the better part of a decade.
1: You know, it's, you know, we're talking about the, when we're talking about the nation, uh, you know, I I put over, you know, my career there, uh, good friends, my brother's keeper. When Russ came to me, uh, Russ Bland, the, the manager of the group there, he came to me and he said, Rick, I, I've been pitching this idea to some other promotions. I don't think they get it. He said, can we run with this in the Professional Wrestling Alliance? And uh, he's he's explaining this to me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, settle, settle down. Settle down, Russ. I said, first of all, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Right. Then I said, I freaking love it. I said, you run with it. You tell me what we can do, how, how we can sculpt this thing, mold your image to get this out there on our stage. Now, a lot of times when they're out there, he's talking, you see the reactions, you know, and they, they, you get different reactions from the crowd, but both sides love it because he speaks from the heart and he speaks truth. Now, a lot of people come back from that and they say, oh, these guys are your top heels. And I say, I don't see it that way. They're out there speaking the truth, what they believe. You know, it is about going out there and earning what they can from their abilities. They're going out there wowing audiences. Now, some people are going to take it, and that's what you had with the nation. Unfortunately, they were framed inside of WWE to be that hardcore heel group. Instead of just freely speaking their truths, speaking for Black culture to, you know, better reach that audience to kind of lift them up. I mean, hell, you could have had a similar situation of what you had with the heart foundation with the world against America. I mean, you could have had a great, you know, divide because you're going to have some of those hillbilly wrestling fans. that you know, Absolutely despise or disgusted by what Ron and a nation are speaking, but then you could have a great portion of your audience. That came you could have lifted them up, but they completely missed the boat on that. there. And well, then and, and, and him as the world champion that period. And I don't know why they wouldn't make the move there, what they were afraid of. Because there wasn't no one screaming like a Hogan or Austin yet that had to be at the top of that card. They were trying to find their way. Well, I think the the thing about the Nation
0: is you can't even go back and watch it on the network at this point without the context of what was going on in the world at that moment. Uh, Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam were causing. I mean it was black lives matter well before black lives matter. And I, and I don't necessarily mean the statement. I mean, the organization and some of the things that were going on inside of the nation of Islam made the nation a very controversial act that even to go back and watch on the network now, it feels completely different than when you had that context, it felt very dangerous and it was pretty damn edgy. When when you look at the context of where America was, when the Nation of Domination first appeared, and you look at the guys that were
1: inside of that group, they were terrifying. Every single one of them. You, you know what? You bring up a good point there, Charlie. Putting yourself in the, the context of the, the times... And how really intense it was, I and mean, it, it was Black Lives Matter before a bunch of white yuppies got signs and started rallying for them. Right. Uh, so it was the real deal. You know, I'm I, I just mentioned why wouldn't they put the belt on him? Now I, I'm second guessing myself there because if you put the belt on him in that in that intense of the situation, how the hell do you get it off of him without yeah, I mean, burning down an arena?
0: Yeah, I mean this. The Nation of Domination was much more Malcolm X, Lewis I, Farrakhan than it was Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, like the the message that they were trying to portray in the television they were putting out. And I feel like that context really gets lost to just go back and watch it now. Like sometimes you have to be inside of that universe and inside of that context to really understand
1: what that was all about. Everybody's more concerned nowadays when you go back and watch it with DX going blackface than what the real message of the nation was.
2: Right, exactly. So Godfather... D'Lo Brown, Mark Henry, those guys got to be on your list somewhere.
0: Yeah, I feel. I feel like all those guys belong on the list. I'm. I'm not sure how high I rank any of them except Mark Henry. Like I. In a, but I feel like I was always way higher on Mark Henry than a lot of people were, or certainly than Vince was, uh, because I thought Mark Henry was ready to be a main event heel well before they teased a retirement angle to make him a main event heel for like maybe a year before he was gone.
2: Yeah, you I, love Mark Henry.
1: I think that especially as a group, you know, when you look at the nation, what it meant as a group and, and of course in and it, and, and the real impact was under, you know, Farouk's leadership, and, you know, it kind of took a, a much different direction with the rock. It was more about just, you know, the breakout star and, and building him up. Mark Henry is another one there. When we go back and we talk about bringing legitimacy to professional wrestling, uh, you, you know, you've got someone that was been on the world stage in the Olympics. Uh, world's strongest man coming over and immediately that's going to, you know, grab, you know, it's going to draw eyes on the product. And, I, I think, and we've heard some stories that, you know, the transition for him into pro wrestling, maybe wasn't, you know, the, the easiest of moves for him. It took some time for him to understand, you know, thus coming from the, the world of Olympics and the star power that he had there and then transitioning into how professional wrestling works. Uh, but how we look at him today and he's, you know, one of the most respected professionals that time and time again, you hear if it's just us, if it's, you know, any of the talking heads on any podcast, you know, they look towards, okay, Mark Henry is, has to be one of those voices to help lead AEW in the right direction. Uh, And that's what you're hoping for with the signing there. So I think what he's evolved to evolved into maybe more of those contributions now outside of what he did in the ring are going to be what defines his career, but absolutely one of, one of the greats.
0: It's crazy because we got to watch Mark Henry learn how to wrestle on national TV. I mean, when, when he first came in, he was greener than freaking money. I mean, he had absolutely no idea what he was doing. It was just the sheer athleticism and strength that kind of kept him in the mix. And by the end of the things, he was a pretty damn good professional wrestler. But yeah, it, it certainly took a while. But just like his God-given gifts, absolutely kept him in the mix.
1: Well, and it, you know, we regularly hear the stories from from our partners that went to OVW, and they just talk about the pros, pro, the gentleman, and, and so much the influence. You know, he would take the time to sit. It's not you know the hellos, but he would sit and talk with people, and he was one of the most welcome contracted you know stars to come down and work there.
2: They look forward yep. to it when he was there. What about? One of my favorites, BTZ Booker T. He's got to be high up on the list.
0: You know, Booker T, I have this weird kind of love hate relationship with because, like, well, because I I loved Harlem Heat. I I consider Mm -hmm. Harlem Heat one of probably my top five tag teams of all time. And then he breaks out and he becomes what? a, A five time, I believe he said, a five time world heavyweight champion. And, but, as Booker T has drank more and more of the McMahon Kool-Aid in his post-retirement years, at this point, he just drives me absolutely insane. Like, Booker T, will you just go away so I can enjoy the memory of Booker T?
1: Because I cannot stand Booker T these days. Booker T knows how to play the game. What? This isn't about some phantom work stuff. He is not going to bite the hand that feeds him. He continues to collect that fat paycheck from Titan Towers, he he knows what it takes to survive in this. He came into it. I mean, for God's sakes, he is the shell of shills at this point. Hey, and guess who's not getting uh, future endeavor? Guess who's sitting <laughs> easy there? Guess who's still like that's the key of professional wrestling. You, you, you're over. you you're, you're far too deep into this fan thought here, jar These guys are worried about getting paid, and. and we're going to talk about this. List and you know, especially you go back to guys that broke in, you know, in the early '90s, '80s, and, and earlier than that. They go through a lot of political bullshit. Oh, they yeah. deal with a lot of issues, so they put their nose, you know, they put their nose to the grindstone. They know they can still get those nice paydays, so they bite their lips here a little bit. L, not on our homie media, you know, brand management platform. You've listened to plenty of them. His brother, Stevie Ray, he, he tells us he shoots the straight truth on this stuff now because he's not collecting that damn paycheck from them. But he'll tell you, man, the bullshit that they went through. You got to remember, the first time these guys came out, what were they, uh, Pause. what was it? Uh, they were Kane and... Kane and Cole. Kane and Cole. And they got Colonel Parker...
2: And Shackles. Yeah, and Shackles. Yeah, that was bad.
1: I mean, I, yeah, I even the... the the, the thought actual, of that is just insane okay but even they there's they're, they're trying to ration, like oh they just broke out of jail that's just as bad <laughs> as, the, as the imagery of, of the plantation owner with his 2 you know inc- incredible looking black guys chained up but even then you know they they have to break through all that i think one thing that that does hurt booker incredible athlete great you know charisma persona that five-time, five-time that we hear so much about, I think it was like a crazy stat. In that, in that time when he kind of rose to that main event level in WCW, they had switched the title like 26 times in six months. So there wasn't really that, it, you know, the, the company's on their way out. It, it's the the, the ball is spinning. It's going down the drain. So you didn't really get that, that great rise, that true story that defines somebody you know, breaking through the boundaries and creating history like that. And in you know, when he gets to WWE, a tremendous run. I, I think you know he's more defined in WWE than he was ever in WCW. But what do we continually go back to? The title he didn't win against Triple H.
0: Yep.
2: Yep. Which was horrible. And that whole racist angle that went around it with Triple H basically was saying all this horrible stuff. It's like okay, Booger T has to win, he has to get the better of him. Or else all that stuff he said makes it even worse. Like he's got to get his comeuppance. And inexplicably, Triple H went awful, awful, yeah. awful. Booking. It's funny. Oh. We,
0: we could probably do an entire episode about who is the guy that Triple H buried the most. And, <laughs> and Booker T might be at the top of that list.
1: Kane, I was just
2: RVD, Booker T. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was Garrico. just thinking,
1: everyone yells at NBC Universal for taking this stuff off of the WD Network on the peacock, on the cock. I wonder if it's just Triple H himself. <laughs> He's got a lot of bad memories out there. Blackface. <laughs> he, he might have been deleting that shit himself just to save his legacy. Yeah.
2: Just man, wait till Triple... cancel culture gets a hold of that buddy. Triple H, what a career. But uh what about Junk Yard Dog? Maybe my favorite, if we had to pick JYD, man. What, what about JYD? He's gotta be high up on the list
0: jyd's got to be high on the list because w- when we were kids and we were on the come up there really wasn't a whole lot of great african-american stars inside of the wwf on the saturday morning cartoons you know that they, they got to fill the diversity quota and who was that guy the Junkyard dog uh I, Going back now and watching his earlier stuff before he got to WWF was so comforting to see the way JYD was booked inside of the south while he was coming up i mean to be an african-american baby face and get yeah, over to they, the they point jyd did and it was pure respect i mean everybody loved the junkyard dog and he went out and he earned every damn bit of it jyd very high on my
1: list Bob, well, you know at that time in the territory he is the hogan of the south yeah and you hear you know just the devotion that, that those fans had. One of my favorite stories, you know, after this when the Freebirds blinded him and he missed the birth of his son. And you have a fan jump in the ring and hold the Freebirds at gunpoint because yeah. he thinks they're gonna they're gonna jump yeah. JYD. Yeah,
2: pretty yeah. crazy. That shows uh, you the level of love for JYD.
1: In an era before they
0: called every professional wrestler a superstar, Junkyard Dog was a superstar.
1: Yeah. And you, you regularly hear you know his colleagues of the time talk about now, it was such a shame that he got to WWE, WWF, just a little too late yeah. when he was on that back end. You know, a little, a little bit more out of shape. Fortunately, yeah, he got that payday that we're talking about. But if we could have seen him, it, you know, it, him and his prime going up there, even without the booking, you got to believe that popularity, man. It, it, it would have been the closest arrival in what they had in Hogan. He just had that charisma. It, 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 it was so incredible. A little JYD story. Eighth grade, uh, William Henry Harrison, junior high school. Uh, we had pro wrestling come in. And JYD's in the main event. He's taken on, uh, this is great, he's taking on the Ninja Turtle. I, I don't know why. The dog versus the turtle. That's what we got in our main event. But anyway, JYD goes over and he's making his exit and he grabs the microphone. Kids! Don't fuck up your greed. Get my knee out.
2: <laughs> are
1: liking it. That's all he said. We're all like, did he just say that with the-? That's awesome. Don't fuck it. up your
2: greeds. I love that. What about Coco Beware? Legend. WB Hall of Famer. Very famous. Very over. Very I love memorable. me, I
1: love me some Coco. wear. You, you talk about going back pre WWF territory days, such an innovator of the high flying style, and you know one of the most beautiful drop kicks in the history of this industry. Tremendous charisma. I, now this one, I, I don't shake my head. I'm just moving my head around like a bobblehead. Jargo is shaking his head on this one. We've had this conversation about Coco in the Hall of Fame. I 100 agree that he believe you know belongs, you know in the imaginary halls of the greatest of of all time. Hey, we're talking about somebody, a crossover appeal. That talent, man. Power driver, you know, when they reached out to that when The Rock and wrestling, who was leading that? Coco. Mm -hmm. He's right there. Uh, Behind the scenes, his contributions. One of the best locker room guys on all accounts there. And you need people to fill out your card. It's a variety show, even inside WWE. One of the most beloved... Mid quarters that you have seen through through the eighties into the early part of the nineties. Hard pass.
0: I,
2: I I'm not. I'm, I'm just a not a cocoa man.
0: guy. I'm not a cocoa guy. Um, a and man. Rick, you did you did bring up one thing. You, you know that, what? You're getting, you're getting that T-shirt for your birthday. <laughs> you, you did bring up one thing that I, I will give to Coco Beware. Uh, if you go back and you find his stuff before he got to the WWF. And before they turned him into Coco Beware, um, Coco might be on the shortest list of guys that had a different entire presentation before they got to the WWF. I mean, like the Sheep Herders, Coco Beware. I mean, there, there are some guys that were just presented well, I mean, completely. I saw Jim
1: Duggan. Even DiBiase.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, there are some guys that Vince just leaned into what we now call the sports entertainment aspect of those characters. And, yeah, absolutely. They made a whole bunch of money. But I'm I'm just not a Coco guy. Not a Coco guy.
2: I can't believe that. I'm not happy about that at all. I love Coco. One of the all-time favorites for me. I love Coco. What about Butch Reed? Is Butch Reed getting a hard pass from you. Hopefully not.
0: No, absolutely not. Butch Reed absolutely goes on this list. Um when you, it comes to mid-south in the 1980s, I mean, Butch Reed was was coming up in a very very interesting kind of climate. Um and, and then once he ended up teaming up with Ron Simmons, doom is just Ron Simmons is very, very high on my list. I think Doom as a tag team would be on my list too because those guys were absolutely freaking terrifying. I mean, when Doom was good, like, how did Doom not, how were they not like the outsiders of the 1980s and just dominate? Like, they, they should have been uh, the equivalent of the road warriors. Ricky, I'm sure you are big on Doom.
1: I loved him as you said, man, just the the intensity and just the, the terrifying persona, the way they move, I mean everything just looks so brutal and intense from the simplest of clothes lines. You know, 281 I,
0: days I, I just looked it up. Bush and Simmons were WCW tag team champions for 281 days longest reign in WCW history.
1: Nice. yeah I, I just sense. pulled it Makes I just sense, pulled man. it up here. And you know what? What really jumped out to me, Jarvis. I never thought about it until we we're having the conversation. You know the comparisons with the Road Warriors. We got oh, some yeah. matches that we got some matches out here. Road Warriors versus Doom, but that seems like another just one of those just. It, That's a shoot, brother. Ter- terrible misses inside yeah. of professional wrestling. I mean, why is it that a program that we are sitting here talking about redefining tag wrestling? Styles make fights, and
0: they were basically the same style. I mean, like, it was just a fight.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, even outside of Doom, when you look at Butch, man, I've I've started, you know, I'm going through the WrestleManias, building up to this year's event. And to see him, you know, early when he's in the singles there, just a a magnificent look there. I'm familiar with some of his territory work. I just think he was – there's just that little something missing that's going to put him maybe in the top echelon, you know, when, when we get down here to it. If if he beats
0: Ric Flair back in the day, it, it, because they they ended up calling the match a draw. But if he beats Ric Flair, how much it, it, he he's the first NWA World Heavyweight Champion African American? That would elevate him so much higher up this list, and he probably should have won that match,
2: right? No doubt. What about Bobo Brazil? Legend, trailblazer, big-time star of his era. Got to be considered, right? Oh, Bobo,
1: man. How do you not love Bobo? I think he's one of those one of those first, like, truly endearing to the fans. Uh, and then on top of it, I mean, that was because of his incredible energy. Especially here in Cincinnati, you talk to the old-timers. You know, coming to the garden shows that are coming through. The first name that they throw out there, the passion. Oh, I couldn't. Every time I couldn't. I couldn't wait. Had to go see Bobo. Had to go see Bobo. And I, it, it, and that's just here. And it, it's, and you know, when he's making those rounds, it's everywhere. And it's because of that
2: connection he was able to make. In and addition a, to the incredible athleticism. And he was a big dude too. I mean, it, besides the charisma and stuff, it's like wow, this guy—he's a big guy. Like great look. And he is rightfully the first
0: African-American world champion. He won that belt, even though it's not recognized by the NWA. He won that belt from Buddy Rogers. Yep. Um, 52 titles between 14 promotions. Uh, and when, I guess the way that I think of Bobo Brazil regardless of all the titles and the fact that he should have been the first African-American world heavyweight champion for me, he's Jackie Robinson, right? Like like, to me, Bobo is the guy who really broke the color barrier inside of professional
1: wrestling. And I consider him top three on my list. I think, you know, you really look at that time. Bobo is the standout. He is the Jackie Robinson. But, you know, just, you know, to mention him here, uh, Bearcat Wright and Art oh, Thomas yeah. as well during, yeah. you know, yes. during that run. Uh, yes. but, Bo, but Bobo, man, positive. you said a big guy. I didn't realize this. Six six two seventy. 270. Oh, he's was a monster. Yeah. That's a mountain of a man. Yeah.
2: It's funny. He's feuded with the Sheik, who supposedly was 5'8. <laughs> and, and he was the baby <laughs> face, and Sheik was the heel. It's just funny to think about that. Well,
1: now we know yeah. why Sheik had to go to literally extremes and introduce that style just to even hang.
2: Not a lot of selling by the Sheik, which is smart. It makes him look seem taller. And if if uh, Bobo were selling so much, it made him seem a little shorter. So it kind of balanced it out. But yeah, just interesting to think like, wow, you would think that the six foot six guy would be the heel, you know? <laughs> no, he was the big baby face.
1: You know, the, uh, you, guy, the guy throwing fireballs was the heel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you, yes. You
0: mentioned Bearcat, at yeah. least in my mind, Bobo it was a bigger deal than Bearcat. It,
1: it, well, do, what, do you, you agree with the, that? Yeah, that's what makes him the Jackie. That He's the standout of that. But I just wanted, you know, I didn't know if we were going to deep dive into it. So I want to make sure of the, of the times, you know, that was the group that was, you know, really breaking
2: down so many barriers. Did you also love Bearcat Keith Lee? Do you love him as well? He's got a lot of catching up to do to
1: get anywhere near the top of this list. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I completely agree with
0: that. Um, Keith Lee, for me, is is kind of that love-hate relationship because you can see all the talent and you can see all the potential inside of Keith Lee. Uh, The problem is Keith Lee is a great professional wrestler, and
2: if you don't think so, just ask him. He'll tell you all about it. Right. And the thing with him is, obviously, weight is a bit of a problem, a bit of an issue. It seemed like he gained a lot of weight since we last saw him in WB. Yep. In, in WB, it's like, okay, I, I didn't really see it, but now it's like, oh, man, he definitely gained a significant amount of weight in AEW. It's like, all right, you know, maybe trim down and get some shape. Not that it's the end-all be-all, but that kind of hurts him. And to me, his promos, not good. And then you combine that with the voice. Oh, man, not good stuff there. His voice I- is terrible.
0: I will say this, and, and I'm 1,000% sure that Rick is going to agree with me on this, right, even though really. it's, it's not necessarily the most popular of opinions. When the Pretty Boy Killers broke up and Keith Lee went to NXT and Shane Taylor stayed inside of Ring of Honor, Shane Taylor has had a better run than Keith Lee. Uh, I think Shane Taylor is absolutely fantastic. And if he had a national platform like a WWE or an AEW that would let Shane Taylor come in and do what Shane Taylor does along with his boys from Shane Taylor promotions, I think you could see a 2022 version of the nation of domination of the representation of the culture inside of pro wrestling if somebody would just give him a damn platform already i it it makes me so mad to see keith lee get the opportunities that he has gotten and do nothing with them and then i see shane taylor just grinding away and busting his ass and creating this incredible group and story. And it's so uncomfortable for people that nobody will give
1: him that platform. It's so uncomfortable that it, it it's amazing. Yeah. And I, Jared, I think you're right. I think Keith Lee, he goes and gets signed. I think he became complacent. He th- he thinks they're going to roll out the red carpet. The world is going to be handed to him. Our conversations with with Shane Taylor, you can sense that he he fed off of that. That fueled him to go out there and get that much better. And in really inside did. of that, inside of that, it it really brought out truly who he is and how he feels. And he has surrounded himself with that inside of professional wrestling. Shane Taylor and Shane Taylor promotions, what they have going on through the pandemic is probably the hottest thing going on in professional wrestling. And it is a damn shame that it is not recognized more that it doesn't have that bigger platform. But with that, you worry about how, you know, it would become watered down or, you know, how somebody would have to let them do what they do. Who would be courageous enough? You know, right now, as you say that, a perfect situation, control your narrative is getting heat right now. Uh, they are being labeled as the mega promotion, the, the Trump backers. You want to shake things up? You want to give someone a platform to truly control their narrative? You introduce Shane Taylor Promotions. And I got a, I got a sneaking suspicion that Shane would welcome that. Yeah. Even with the labels of the mega. He sat down with us and had one of the most honest conversations that I, that I've ever had with anyone about race relations. And Shane was very open with us about it. And he let us he let us speak and ask questions as two middle aged white guys from the Midwest. And we had a tremendous conversation. And that's what he wants to do. It's not about really making people feel uncomfortable, it's about making you think. And that's you what have, makes people uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. God
1: forbid you have to think for yourself.
2: So another guy I immediately thought of was Kamala. Obviously, great gimmick. Love Kamala gotta be considered
0: when i think of the most beloved characters from like that cartoonish wwf era for me kamala is very very high on that list like i just the the entire presentation of kamala the the whole savage and walking around smacking his belly and and the the moons on his nipples and the the crazy face paint that looked like a tribal mask i you know kamala as i think about it might be responsible for the, the 90s and the rage of tribal tattoos he might be fo- solely responsible for that for all those 90s kids that grew up watching kamala and they all wanted to be like kamala and they all wanted that stupid tribal band you just kind of just kind of sank into their subconscious yep absolutely it was all kamala i i love kamala i i don't know how high i have him on my list but kamala's pretty damn beloved figure and even still when you could see when he was going through all those health problems to see the pro wrestling community kind of rally around kamala because there's just so much love and respect there
1: well i think he's one of those that no matter how they're being presented inside a professional wrestling, because they, you know, they're looking for that big Ugandan, that scary monster that's yeah. coming out. He's got to have a handler because it's the only individual that can keep and keep under wraps. What's going to happen inside of this ring? He's one of the, you listen to the interviews, you listen to those that have been around him. He just has one of those personalities that people just gravitate towards. So it's, you know, the, the fans saw through that and, it, and it, you fall in love with him. He becomes that big yeah. teddy bear. The same thing I've seen it firsthand. Congo Kong is the same way. Uh Battle of the Border Pro Wrestling does regular spots there. He's on a spot with us with the PWA, but it's it, it takes a little time, but the crowd realizes it. And they just yep. it, it's crazy. Like you'd see you know, comparable to, to Kamala with Congo Kong, it's this big savage monster. Not like really talking, he's just, you know, yeah, like bites your ear off or whatever, rip your head off, whatever the case might be. These little kids are running up, wanting to hug him.
0: Yeah. All of a sudden, you realize he's actually Sully from
1: Monsters, Inc. Yeah. That, yes. There you go. Yeah. So, obvi- yeah. Yeah. Kamala, one of the, the most beloved figures in wrestling history.
2: Just going to name some of my favorites here Zeus, Virgil, Mr. T, Jay Lethal, and Bobby Lashley, who could easily as we start getting a big push from him, I know he's, he might be injured right now, but he's the third guy, you know, you got range, you got Lash, uh, Lesnar, and then you got Lashley is like your third draw. I mean, he slowly moving up the card, world champion, obviously two time over main eventer, you know, I mean, he could be, uh, he could be moving up on that list. The, the, the problem
0: with Lashley for me is the, this is the Bobby Lashley that we should have always gotten from, yeah. from the, the yep. time Bobby Lashley debuted, until now and then bobby lashley i think would be very very high on this list as it is for me anyway and maybe it's just because you know i'm an roh mark i have jay lethal pretty high on my list jay lethal carried ring of honor there for a couple of years and in an era where people were looking for diversity and pro wrestling and how come we don't have an african-american world champion and yay for kofi when he finally won it jay lethal was dominating ring of honor for about five
1: years yeah lethal one you know one of the best it's just it's one of those things it's just maybe a shame he didn't have a bigger stage
0: yeah, I, and I think it's just the indie mark in me. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, obviously, when you look at ticket sales and distribution and merch and all that, Jay Lethal's nowhere remotely close. But I tell you, that House of Truth era version of Jay Lethal is one of my favorite characters in the history of pro wrestling.
1: Uh, a couple of names of shout-out here myself. Uh, we overlooked yeah. here. Uh, Jacqueline. Uh, what she did yeah. to women's yeah. wrestling.
2: Hell yeah. She's on the list. Hell yeah. Uh, she, I, she I'm could,
1: still waiting for somebody to name my
0: number one and it she, hasn't come she,
1: up. yet. She could absolutely bring it. Uh, I think if we would sit down, if we hopefully sit down, if we revisit some of these topics, just say, hey, we've done it before. How have they changed? I'd hope in three years that WWE gets their head out of their ass because she has a million dollars written all over her. She is incredible charisma, tremendous oh. look at athleticism. And that's Bianca Belair. Yep. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, how they have mis- mismanaged that is one of the, their biggest fumbles of the last decade. It just blows me away that they don't see it. Another quick shout-out while we're up against the clock here. The uh, the original Stone Cold.
2: Oh, bad news, Brown, baby. Yes. Hell, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell, yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, speaking of my favorite, he might be my favorite, but yes.
0: Kind of going with Rick's uh, train of thought that, you know, if we sit down and revisit this here in a couple of years, Montez Ford. Could uh, very quickly yeah. climb up this list too because no I it, yeah. I feel like they have big plans for Montez Ford as a single star, and if they don't, they sure as hell should. Um, I I, I pause. I I know you're getting ready to ask. I'm going to give you my number one. I already I know who it
2: is. I, I can't believe is.
0: that it, he well, hasn't come up here. Well, let's, I, gar-
2: let's I guarantee you know who it is. Uh, Abdullah the butcher.
0: No, no. What? No. Thunderbolt. God no. Thunderbolt Go Patterson. Thunderbolt Patterson. Rick who is the only talent to ever block the Hitting the Marks pro wrestling podcast Oh yes on yes, yes I had him
1: off my list you know we, we just get we just get in the flow here you talk about someone with the, the longevity that has been a, a world's champion has made history amongst the very few in the NWA to hold that title that guy that has remained relevant at hell maybe maybe one of the most important accomplishments is being able to maintain employment with the WWE as long as he has And not take
0: any freaking bumps. He's out there collecting a paycheck for the better part of a decade without taking any freaking bumps. Ron Killings, the truth, our truth, shout out to the truth, the innovator of the seven second dance party. And then we stole it and he got mad and blocked us on Twitter, but I think Ron Killings, absolutely inside of this conversation, the first African-American NWA world heavyweight champion. Well, granted, that's because it's not recognized. But he is still recognized as the first African-American world champion. And Rick, the longevity, that's what does it for me. And he still, you could turn our truth into a main eventer tomorrow if you would let him just go out there and be a serious professional wrestler. He is so freaking beloved inside of the WWE. And I am still waiting for my R-Truth WrestleMania dream match against his boyhood hero, John Cena. I mean, like, I I feel like he, in an era of no long-term storytelling, R-Truth has been on this for, what, four, five years at this point? It's amazing. Love me some Ron Killings. Unblock us on Twitter Truth. Come on.
2: So I got a bunch of other names just to throw out there. Devon Dudley, SD Jones, Special Delivery Special Jones. Special Delivery. Rufus R. Jones, New Jack, Pez Watley, Pistol Pez, The Boogeyman, Tiger Conway Jr., Maven, who's a great uh, interview, just had him on, David Otunga, Mr. T, Bob Sapp, and then, of course, Ahmed Johnson. Man, you Stevie, talk about a guy.
1: You look at him, man. He just, geez. Yes. <laughs> Stevie <laughs> Ray of, of
2: Harlem Heat MVP, mm-hmm. who's been great with uh, Lashley, and obviously had a great wrestling career before that. Mabel, King Mo, Mabel to you, <laughs> Mo from Men on a Mission, of course. Ezekiel Jackson, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Shelton Benjamin. Got to be uh, considered. And then a bunch of the current guys, like Apollo Cruz, Xavier Woods, Ricochet. I know they wouldn't be considered, but, you know, they've had great careers. Kofi Kingston, obviously, and Big E, won the world title. Maybe they both shouldn't have and probably wouldn't have if there was two world title. I mean, if there was one world title instead of two, but they've got to be considered. And then, of course, you mentioned some females. Awesome Kong, one, one of my faves. Oh, uh, Naomi. Ember Moon, Alicia Fox, and of course you got a girl you guys both hate for some reason but she's the best in the business right now Sasha Banks I, you Best know, in the business right now? Yep. What
1: What the hell have you been watching? Of Her all, matches
0: Of all those guys that you just What are you, paused, are you drinking? The, the, the one it's that water. I find disappointing is Shelton Benjamin Should because have been more I, I, Yeah, I always have felt like he should have been more I mean, that that guy should have been a WWE champion.
1: I think if you get into an age, he's one of those, if you would have placed him somewhere else in the timeline of pro wrestling, you take someone like a Shelton Benjamin and put him into those early WrestleManias, you know, that that won through that first decade of WrestleManias where managers were prominent. And you, you could have been talking about, uh, you know, a level of a Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Because, you know, where he was at, he just lacked in that area of sports entertainer. I I know that you mentioned
0: them all individually, but if you consider them as an act, where does new
2: day fall on this list? Hmm. To me, they're very much like bushwhackers to me, like, you know, over with the crowd over with a certain audience. They, they could sell the merch. You know what I mean? Just not feeling them as far as like believability in ring. Like, would Butch and Luke be world champions? Probably not. You know what I mean? They're, they, they, they're, you know,
1: not
0: You, you wouldn't
1: would have been down with butch mania
2: I don't know. Not, not feeling New Day. Interesting. Yeah. Because,
0: I mean, when, when I look at it, when I look at, like, the last 10 years of WWE, New Day is on the short list for, like, what has probably the, been the best act and made them the most money inside of the company. Uh, so I, I'm always interested in people's kind of perspective on New Day. Because, yeah, there are things like Woods annoys the ever-loving hell out of me. I I never wish that the way that they have presented Kofi Kingston, especially since he lost the WWE championship, would have ever been a thing. Uh, I feel like Big E should be a more serious character that should probably be a big, badass heel that's presented more like Bobby Lashley. But when I look at the amount of money that those guys have made and what they have made for the company and... We're not the target demographic for the new day, right? I mean, it's hard to argue their success, but I I feel like middle-aged white dudes like ourselves are just like meh, pass.
1: Right? I wouldn't say so much, and you know, kid too. They're great ambassadors for the brand. Mm -hmm. They they know how to hit the different demographics on different platforms. Uh, from you know, with to video games to streaming video games and interacting there to Big E at the Great American Race, you know, mm-hmm. working working the pits at Daytona, you know, when he had his championship, you you've seen maybe it doesn't necessarily, it, you can. It, it, he gives the illusion—I wouldn't say illusion—but he lets you know that he cares about it. I mean, he's getting his hair cut; and he's got the belt with him, it, so it, 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 he lifts it up. So when if they're showing that they believe. Then you're going to believe, and is right. You know, a lot of people. Oh, they should have. They should be this way, this way, this way. Well, go look at those those merch numbers.
0: Yeah. You
2: know,
1: go look at those stupid little unic- glowing unicorn horns that are in arenas, the the pastel colored, the neon shirts that are being sold. Yeah, they're going
2: to the bank. So, who is the greatest black wrestler of all time, Rick? Uh, I'm gonna go with where we started here. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the rock. What uh, if we, what if I said you can't pick the rock? Who would you pick? Come back to me real quick. I got a couple in mind. Jargo. If I can't take Dwayne, I'm going with the truth. I'm going with Ron Killings on top. If I if I'm gonna pick the rock, obviously, but if I can't pick the rock, I don't know. I, I think I would just go have to go historically. Bobo Brazil is probably the, the biggest legend. That's, the that's where I was leaning. Yeah. That's where I was and, leaning and favorite i'd probably have to go bad news brown yep bad news was a badass man stone cold stole his gimmick so i mean played, played by gimmick. his own rules so as far as this week great topic by jargo great uh great idea great uh or what did i don't even maybe i came up with it. i don't even remember now but anyway it oh i'm the guy that episode. forgot the topic you had to tell me <laughs> the show was even
0: happening
2: yeah, You're you're too busy, Uh, I don't know, make it, making money moves, as as they say, as the kids say. You're too busy out there. But let's head towards the plugs. You follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com, and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Hopefully out there soon will be the interview with the Hulkster. Interview with Hulk Hogan that's making the rounds. Hopefully we'll be out there soon. But, uh, Rick, what do you got? Well, uh, you can... Uh...
1: Check out my brother's keeper at the uh, Professional Wrestling Alliance. You can follow us on Facebook.com/Professional Wrestling Alliance and on Twitter and Instagram at PWA Wrestle. Uh, I'd like to follow me, the Art of the Beat of the Richard Bronson Vickery, across all social media at The Real RBV.
2: Jargo, what do you got?
0: Social media at not Jargo, MichaelJargo.com. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having us back. Follow the science. And, yes, and fo- follow at the science on Truth Social if they ever actually get that stupid website up and working. I'll, I'll be over there. Um, and I'll be uh, heading for Indianapolis here in the matter of weeks. So, and then I'll be back in your ear holes once again. And I'm sure I'll have a huckleberry beating on my back door, wanting to sleep on
1: my porch.
2: Yes. Yeah. No doubt doubt about that. But thank you, everybody. Great American
1: Rumble, Greenfield, Jargo's on the way.
2: Thank you, everybody, out there for listening. See you right back here next week for a little bit of Who Is. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com two-man power trip where the power lies brother